that there'd be plenty of newspapers with plenty of different people controlling them, so that there's a variety of viewpoints, but there's a choice for the public. And you shouldn't be trying to turn this into a subsequent media circus. Good morning, sir. How are you? Most warmed of anyone I know. <laughs> it's very true. Listen, he's he's a fighter. He's an aggressive <laughs> man. He's a beast. I think Zeb. I mean, I think Tom's perception of Zeb is the perception that everybody wants Zeb to be. He's like this. He's I don't like know. a mythical creature. I think creature. Tom makes me sound like a some sort of like dungeon crawler. Like I see, I see him as a great authority figure in my life. Yeah, a guide. A guide, exactly. A wise sage. Yeah. A barometer of uh, what is wisdom. and isn't acceptable. A an barometer honest, an honest, of wisdom. An honest voice. <laughs> yes. I like a barometer of wisdom. That should be your nickname, yes. Zeb. Okay. Yes, Zeb, the barometer. the barometer of wisdom. Or Zeb, the barometer <laughs> of wise. The wise barometer. <laughs> Zeb, the wise barometer. That's very kind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways. After a great start. <laughs> Um, okay, yeah. So, what is this topic? What is this yellow jacket? So, we're, so we're talking about the gilet jaune. The the gilet jaune. We're gonna like already off to a good start because we're talking about uh, France, and so I, France. I imagine there's going to be a lot of things that we get wrong. But we're mm. talking about the yellow vest movement. The yellow vests. Um, okay. See, I was thinking and, uh, yellow jackets, like the Hunger Games, <laughs> in terms of that stinging wasp thing. Yellow jacks. Yeah, or I, don't, I don't know what that Anyways, is. Anyways, <laughs> continue. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know what this. But uh, for, well, uh, welcome to Opheads. Uh, my name is Coward Huntington. Hello, Coward. I'm Rachel. And, yeah, and I'm Zeb. Hello. Hello, Zeb. Hello, Zeb. And Opheads is a podcast uh, talking about uh, uh, the ways in which we, as individuals, consume news media and how they affect our opinions. And perspectives. Go, perspectives. Nearly got it memorized. <laughs> <laughs> nearly got Almost. the We're getting close. We're getting close. Um, so this is the first part of the show. We will start just talking pretty honestly about like the, whatever topic it is, uh, and then it's kind of the point that we sort of just talk about things, and then like as we know them now, and then do some research and see how our opinion change, and it's a little experiment to see how uh, the the media creates bias and and maybe why maybe maybe that's the real question <laughs> that may or, or may I wanted not to pick this <laughs> yes exactly uh, well, yeah often not <laughs> oftentimes <laughs> oftentimes not um i wanted to pick this topic uh, because when i sort of first moved to europe i remember like become like it, it became very clear to me that i don't really understand uh, a lot of the diverse political issues going on, and even like the, and this is one of the like you know more often talked about kind of um, European issues of the last like three or four years or whatever. Um, but it, like it occurred to me that I was like I really don't know like uh, like I remember when it came out, and I remember like my idea of what was going on with the yellow vest or the gilet jaune, or however you pronounce it. I think it's gilet jaune. But like um, my ideas were totally uh, wrong. Like I remember having a conversation with someone who was from France and I was going like, oh, isn't it? Like for some reason I had it in my head that it was like, oh, yeah, because they hate global warming because they're right wing. And they were going like, no, it's like a very diverse movement of 
people from all different kinds of political like backgrounds. It's like a it's an anti Macron thing, and more than anything else. But I don't know, like uh, that's why I wanted to talk about it because I wanted to just like. I know that the media, like the French media, are often like scrutinized by the yellow vest movement, and and um, and I don't really know why. Uh, so that's that's my that's my reasoning. But I don't know how much like you guys know about it. Maybe you know more than I do, which wouldn't be hard. I know absolutely nothing. I thought it was about a bunch Perfect. of wasps. So <laughs> <laughs> clearly, I know nothing at all. Killer bees. Killer bees. Yeah, literally. Anyway. If, if I say killer bees, what does that mean to you, Rachel? It's like bees that kill people. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. Nothing. Why? Wu-Tang killer bees on the, on the swarm. Think? Wu-Tang clan? Wu-Tang killer bees on the swarm. Why? Is that a song? <laughs> is it? Are they it's a band? A, <laughs> I know Wu-Tang a, are they some of those? Are they rappers? Oh, shit. <laughs> those Wu-Tangs. It's a, it's, a, it's a sparse conceptual idea promoted in, in from i don't know i don't really know what the, i think it had something to do with there were killer bees in new york in the 90s and the rizza sort of just threw anything on the compost heap of like uh what is important to the wu-tang clan's value so one of them is where the killer bees on the swarm mm, i see yeah well okay Anyways, well, on that sorry, note yes. <laughs> i mean on that's... that note zeb do you have like uh, any more of an idea than me and rachel do not really. I feel like I think that I was trying to kind of keep up with it when when it all first started kicking off, but yeah, it was confusing. And I honestly like until you. I remember even when you said Gilles uh, Jean or whatever the first time, I was like, oh yeah, cool, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> I did not know at all what you were talking about. What I think's interesting is like uh, is because you know there's there's sort of activity there's often activity in France from what I can gather like there's often like protests going on and people are very like anti-government um, but uh, but I didn't I sort of thought I was like oh yeah it'd be a good time to do it as well because there's like you know there's more sort of rioting in, in France right now I don't know what it is but it, I, I'm pretty sure I'm 99% certain it's still it's still going on from 2008 like uh, from 2018 yeah that's I think like all I can but, that's all I ever really registered about it was that it was still happening yeah, and I'm yeah. really keen to know because yeah, I I remember like wanting to back it, but also like not just not really blindly going yeah, fucking get on the yellow vests because well this so basically Why from are they my the yellow vests because that was the, well, that was what they that was how they they kind of identified themselves like high vis is this the yeah it's high vis yeah. jackets it's it's basically like from for this and if I get this wrong you know this is my knowledge I'm going off like right now like unresearched but. From my memory, it, it started because there was a bunch of taxes, like Macron was new as the uh, president, and like there was a bunch of taxes, and one of them was to do with global warming, but they raised the fuel prices, and so the truck drivers initially were um, protesting because uh, uh, because like okay. that and a, and a series of taxes made it just kind of impossible to be kind of um, like I don't know if it's a working class thing or a farmers thing, but that, that's how it began, and then it kind of spread to just like it's now it's sort of this sparse like um, uh, col- like popular front of like I, I think of a, a variety of political backgrounds. I think there's like mm. a like a conservative and very far left and very far right and and just a real mismatch. But they all don't like Macron, right? Okay. Uh, because he, you know, he's he's very like uh, favors the rich. Yeah, I th- like yeah. I, I know that, that he favors the rich and and the banks. And um, yeah. he said a bunch of like uh, pretty inappropriate things about um, 
poor people. Like it's just a bunch of like smug, richy sort of uh, like stuff. Like I think he said something once like from memory of like, oh, like there's plenty of jobs. I can go across the street. I'll find you a job in 10 seconds. And I mm. think, uh, but then I know as well that, uh, and this is just my my only perspective on this just comes from, I've talked to some French people about it in bars or whatever, but like, I think that the the common consensus seems to be like, oh, it's good. There's always a lot of rioting in Paris. This one's a bit more extreme, and some people are like, oh, it's crazy because this time they fucked with like the Arc de Triomphe or whatever, and like it's gone a bit far, or like it's just a bit more extreme than usual, and that's that's a good thing, you know. Mm. Well, maybe uh, I don't know. I obviously don't know anything about this, but I also think. Maybe with the protests that are happening in the world right now, they need to be a little bit more extreme to be heard because no one seems to be listening. So we need to kind of make ourselves heard. Not saying that I'm a part of the Yellow Vest movement, <laughs> but if I was the killer to be, bees, I think I can be a killer bee. I can be a little mama no bumblebee more. that says no, no, no. Bzz, bzz, bzz. I'm, I'm, you're gonna go on the swarm. But I have to you swarm. Say. Yeah, I, I can <laughs> swarm. Like, you can swarm. Like, like. Like who? Like the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like those Wu Tangers. I can those Wu Tangers. Woo! That's a bit. That's a bit rude. I'm sorry, Wu Tang. Um. Anyways. Um, yes. Well, so like as well, I think. Um, I think like like I I think it'd be interesting for us being Australians, which I'm sure will agitate any you know French listeners we have, because I think like as well like protest culture seems to be very very different in France. I mean like mm. if you talk to French people, that's what they'll tell you anyway. That like there, there's more of an established protest culture. There's often protests going on. I mean they did have the little they had a little revolution, and I think it's kind of like I don't know whether or not it, wasn't it actually a little revolution, Tom. Yeah, somewhat somewhat French of a revolution. revolution. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I studied it in year 12 and I loved it. So (laughs) don't you dare belittle it with your sarcasm. (laughs) Coward Huntington. Exactly. Brush over that. Something happened. Who who remembers? uh, I remember. (laughs) I was there. I was there. The Bastille. The storming of the Bastille. Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette getting kicked out of their homes. Anyways, they fled. Anyways, we don't need to talk about that. Continue. Whenever I've tried to like research anything just privately about the French Revolution, I just I can't get past the part where they explain for about like three hours the different caste systems or class mm. systems or whatever. Mm. There's the agrarian, yeah. then there's the agrarian subsect, and I've, I've lost. And the bourgeoisie. Yes, yes, Those yes. Those bourgeoisie. Yes, yes. <laughs> silly, silly. <laughs> I'm gonna stop. I'm a little. I'm tired. Right, I'm a little drunk. <laughs> a little You're sick drunk. of saying. <laughs> It's Valentine's Day, okay? There's, that's one of the other many recurring themes of op-heads. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the drunkest in the room? <laughs> Who is the drunkest, would we say? You. You had more <laughs> to drink than I do. Excuse me. That's a bit harsh. Okay. Anyways, back to the yellow vests. So, I know nothing. <laughs> Seb knows a little. I don't really And know Tom anything. knows something. I know, I know, not not that much. Well, I I think that I would like to whatever the yellow vests are now. Uh, like, um, there's like something like I think some journalists were accusing of being punched or something, and, and they're they're very like anti-journalist at the moment. And they'd say the French press are kind of like, uh, like portraying a pretty shitty image. So I'd be interested to try my best to read some Google translated French only French uh, <laughs> yeah. reporting. Yeah, how is your French, Tom? 
Oh, my mom's a French teacher, so you know it's fantastic. Ah, <laughs> tu habites où? Sup, super. <laughs> Superb. <laughs> Incorrect. La swarm, la swarm, la killer bees. <laughs> la wasps. Okay, I'm going to research um, Macron and all of the bad things that he does. <laughs> And who he is. That's good. We're sure it's about colors. analyzing fucking bias. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> look at all of the bad things that he's done. Shitty, and shitty Macron. <laughs> Macron. Hello, Google. What is the worst <laughs> top five worst things that Macron has done? <laughs> Made bad macaroons. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so yes, I will research Macron and his government. And his policies. <laughs> it's a bit fairer. I know. Yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, I think um, I, I'm pretty keen on uh, trying to figure out, like, yeah, what the um, kind of, uh, uh, what the, the politics of um, of the protesters are and if they are, like, united under, like, or, like what is the banner that they're united under? And yeah, how broad yeah, is that? yeah. Mm, okay. Sounds good. Okay. Yes. Well, excellent. Uh, killer bees away. Away. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> yes, and we, we apologize for this shambolic recording. This <laughs> <laughs> is not a shambles. This was good. So, Rachel read uh, Intereconomics Review of European Economic Policy, The Making of Macron's Worldview from World Politics Review, and uh, she read two articles from the New York Times, an article from Reuters, and The Guardian's Don't Be Fooled by Macron, The Moderate by Owen Jones. Then I, <clears throat> Zeb, read Ideological Divisions in the Yellow Vest Movement from Rosa Lux Stiftung and uh, Al Jazeera's Timeline of the Yellow Vest Movement. And then Coward read articles from Le Monde, Le Echo, Liberation, La Croix, Brut, and a handful more. As always, for the full uh, reading list, you can go to the website or check the show notes. No, 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 that's not what I was trying to make it weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I No, you don't understand. I was trying to make it very normal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, how yeah. do you find that, uh, how did you go with the research? Did you learn a lot about uh, the gilets jaunes and less about bees? <laughs> <laughs> It's, I, I realized it took me until I think I got off the off the uh, last recording before I realized that you're talking about yellow jacket wasps. That's what you're talking <laughs> yes. about, right? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I didn't really learn about Remember, I was studying Macron, so I just researched Macron. But I tried yes, to I research <laughs> like, his policies. Anyways, I just got very confused. I feel like I constantly get confused every single time I do research because I always get so caught up in like what one person says. And then I'm like, yeah, but they said this. And then I hear another person. And I'm like, but that, that contradicts what this person said. And I'm like, I am the epitome well, I feel, of our podcast. I feel like having a, a certain like level of impressionability, if that's the right word, is, know, is kind yeah. of, it kind of works for the show though. Because I feel like I, whenever I'm doing my research, I'm like, yeah, but that's not true though. Well, as I feel like you go, well, it's true. Yeah, there it is. No, I do. There like, it is in black and white gullible. print. <laughs> I I listen, I read it, and I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then I read something else, and I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense too. And I'm like, wait, a second, wait, no, now I have to think of it by myself. And I'm like, oh no, now I'm just confused. I think I think thinking too much about these things just makes me more confused. To be honest, whenever I try and go, I'm like, but what is the truth? And then I always turn to like people that I know, and I go, oh, I'll just ask that guy, and he'll or that person. I'll just ask them about everything. 
And then you realize that they don't know what they're talking about. No one exactly. knows. What yeah, they probably haven't spent a week having to like having to learn about it for Literary, any specific yeah. reason. Oh yeah, actually, I would like to thank uh, Sam and Charlie Hewison for giving me a very good uh, sort of like index or roadmap of like um, French media, which was very very helpful because I didn't understand what any of the different media companies mean, and they kind of gave me a little a little list a little list to go to. Um, you can look at, if you want to look up Sam Hewis and stuff, you can go to Dog Milk Films on Instagram. They're doing some wonderful things and uh, releasing a lot of good stuff and also curating good programs. You can look it up. I don't know how to follow Charlie. I think he uh, is off the grid. But thank you, Hewisons. All right, yeah. So the um, at some point, I think like around mid, uh, mid-2018, I'm assuming it might have been mid-late 2018, um, Macron announced like a... a a green initiative, which ended up kind of being a fuel tax, and was definitely perceived as a fuel fuel tax, where it was uh, kind of like marketed, I suppose, as a way of um, like cutting carbon emissions, but you know, kind of like unfairly ends up targeting um, uh, just like regular people, uh, which you know, arguably are doing much less of the damage by driving their cars than yeah, corporations yeah. are. With their sort of thing, and while yeah, and 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 there and there aren't nearly as many um, uh, taxes on emissions for for those corporations doing much larger amounts of damage. And I think already when there's like a, a like I, like a, I think what's interesting is like which I'm sure you get into is like in the provinces and stuff like which are very different than the Gilejong of like of Paris. That it's not it's not quite like the the like most like the poorest people of France. It's almost like the kind of like just just the top of the working class. Like it's sort of like very uh, it's like low income, lower middle class people that like sort of kicked everything off a little bit. That they feel that they've sort of been like forgotten about or something like that. Yeah. Well, not- I think that that's that 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 ended up being like kind of. Um- like I think at least to begin with, like a majority stake of the um, of the yellow vest was uh, people who uh, didn't earn enough to to um, kind of like live comfortably, but also made too much to qualify for any sort of um, social welfare or anything like that. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, and that was that sort of like forgotten <laughs> state that uh, that a lot of people kind of got behind. But to begin sure. with, it was just it was just about the fuel tax. It was just about like. The fact that you've got a lot of like regional pe- regional people who um, like need to drive around to for work and that sort of thing, but then it also um, uh, I, I I read that it's it, it, it metropolitan French people uh, tend to drive more like people in the uh, outskirts of Paris drive more on average or for longer on average than uh, <coughs> people do rurally. It's a it's a Macron is like generally. I mean, like, is it is it fair, Rachel, to say that he's like, is he like a neoliberal guy? That that seems to be the general verdict. He's just, I yeah, I guess so. He's definitely a centrist, and he came to power kind of banking on like liberal and leftist ideas and like preaching those ideas to win the left. But then also being extremely centrist in his politics, he talks a big game of like left wing kind of ideals in terms of like social reform and the separating of like church and state and like obviously climate change issues but then his policies are very much moderate and they don't actually kind of live up to what he was saying 
and how radical he seems to be kind of thing. It just seems like, yeah, when he got into power, he talked such a big game about kind of all of these grand ideas and especially like he kind of won people over with a lot of ideas about um, Islamophobia and how like obviously this uh, concept of secularism um, and that's like a huge driving issue with Islamophobia. But then And that was like really great and like he had a lot of support for that. But now he's kind of like contradicted that completely and now he's like implemented all of these like not um, as bad as like Australia in terms of refugees but just like really not great refugee policies and has said and some quite derogatory things about uh, Muslims and has kind of just like gone back on his word. And like that's just like one example of a lot of things that he's said that have contradicted the things that he was talking about when he came into power and like kind of what won him the election. Because he was kind of a reformist when he came in because I think he was like a lot – he was like – from my understanding anyway, and I'm not basing this off research, he was he was coming in kind of as like social, social politics and maybe like religious politics but then – uh, like in terms of like the way he like sort of funded the rich and like uh the the tax breaks for the rich and stuff that people were initially displeased. Yeah, yeah, because his his uh his approval rating dropped like hugely in his first couple months. Yeah, in power. Because yeah, it was to do with the tax reforms because the first year of his reforms. Many measures had an immediate positive effect on the wealthy, but then didn't have um, an effect on the middle or low income earners till way later. And so immediately people were like, well, obviously the wealthy are benefiting instantly and now we're having to wait. But then over the period of time, over those tax reforms, it was supposed to benefit, well, you know, supposed to benefit, quotation uh, marks here, benefit the lower and middle class income earners. But then I think that's also what sparked the Jules Jean protests as well. Like there was during these reforms was when the protests started happening. From what I can And and at, and at first this is just Zeb like uh something to do with roundabouts, right? It's like <laughs> I I I, <clears throat> I don't fully know what you mean, but I I would assume that like well, I don't know, like I I, I think, think, that I think they... it, it started off as the truck drivers in in Paris yeah, yeah, they came yeah, to the country down to the roundabouts and <laughs> yeah, no, I thought you were talking about some piece of legislation about roundabouts. <laughs> yeah. so, so this is the roundabout <laughs> proclamation, isn't it? No, <laughs> to get rid of them all, they're dangerous times. <laughs> yeah, no, because yeah, that was how the uh, the first um, the first protest was like road blockages um, by yeah truck drivers and just like regional people who like drove a lot um yeah like blocked roads and i would assume blocked uh roundabouts they're an effective way to block a lot of traffic i suppose (laughs) but um i think it was i think it was only roundabouts i think they said they were were sick sick of these roundabouts we're going to destroy these roundabouts (laughs) roundabouts are actually really great they're good for traffic flow yeah yeah yeah, well i'll tell you once rachel the first it's the second time i ever drove by myself right my the battery in my dad's car went out and the power steering uh, hooked up and I drove into a roundabout <laughs> and almost crashed. Like I, I had to, I couldn't steer the car and I went all the way through the roundabout. The cars from all angles were going to, were going to crush me, but they didn't. It's actually really fucked up. It's actually, it was very terrifying. It, what a, what an awful feature of the Holden Astra. Don't buy it. <laughs> yeah. These protests kick off. Uh, uh, um, uh, when did you say it was Tom? 17th of November, 2018. Uh, yeah. That was yeah. Act One. I think they separated into Act acts. One. Yeah, yeah, act they are sector separated into acts, which is a funny thing. And they went all the way up to like Act Forty Five, I think. But uh, yeah, so the the protests begin. 
uh, and they're pretty quickly a little violent and, um, you know, there's some injuries, uh, police being intense and hurting people. Uh, I think a, um, a truck plowed into some protesters at one point on the first, on the very first day of the protests. So th- these, these, pro- like, I don't know if you know, but like, I'm like, cause I know that the France has a very strong protest culture, but I keep hearing that these protests were, seem to be kind of distinctly violent or, uh, or, or were met with extreme violence from the police at least or something or, or from both sides. More yeah. than more than the standard like Bastille Day stuff or whatever. Yeah, it seems like um, I think that once once the the motivation behind the protest kind of transcended the original fuel tax issue and became more about just general like uh, class sort of stuff, that was when it all kind of blew up and a lot of people's frustrations became yeah, yeah like right, a lot right. more physical and uh and and macron's like uh response very early on was uh like how did he kind of react to because it must be it was very early on in his, in his um what do you say like a, a presidency yeah. Yeah, presidency. presidency yeah yeah he hasn't he didn't really do anything he kind of just like didn't really have a response well yeah well he tried to so what uh, so this starts like late november or mid mid november and then by early December, um, a bunch of like high school students have started protesting uh, edu- the education system, and uh, kind of like with fears that it was all getting worse, uh, Macron proposes a uh, freeze to the tax hike for I think three uh, three months on um, fuel, like a fuel tax and rising electricity and uh, gas prices, and the protesters do not accept that, and they keep on protesting, and then I think. Um, at the start of 2019, uh, they ended up scrapping the whole fuel tax thing com- yeah, altogether. Yeah. When he, uh, or when the government um, uh, froze the fuel taxes permanently and like just uh, got rid of the the whole bill, part of the demands were also for a like a fortune tax, which like you know just a tax on the on the on the wealthy, and so that was um, Macron was like, yes, we will we will scrap the. Uh, the, the fuel taxes and the electricity and gas tax uh, like uh, price hikes, but we're not going to be impl- implementing any sort of um, like a wealth wealth tax. Well, no, it was because when he came into power, he removed the tax on the wealthy because there was originally in France apparently like it was called the IFS or something. Yeah, no, sorry, the ISF. So when he first came into power, he eased the ISF of the wealthy um, and was described by like people as like the original sin of Macron which kind of like led to the people believing that he was for the rich you know a a leader of the rich and so in the ISF was imposed on those worth more than like 1.2 million pounds um and it had then been reduced to only certain properties and certain portfolios and life assurances so they weren't taxed on their whole income, they were only taxed on certain assets that they owned. So basically it just means that they got a reduced tax. Yeah. Yeah, Very, very very largely reduced. Um, And he didn't remove that from what I can gather. I mean, sorry, he didn't um, put it back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And especially when people started asking for it. And so I think that around here, I think like the end of 2018, um, once he says like no to uh, to um, to that wealth tax, I think that that, like, in my opinion, that's when the movement kind of, yeah, like, transcends its sort of singular demand of um, 
of uh, fuel, electricity, and gas, and becomes yeah like a class issue, and becomes about yeah, like wealth yeah. inequality and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. What what I'm interested in is is because like like because I I know that there's a difference between uh like the providences and the and the cities. But I also know that it's kind of like it seems to be kind of from what I can gather from just general knowledge. Like I haven't that was not my point of research, but like it's it's it is like a popular front between some kind of like left wing and right wing people. But it's not it's not especially anarchistic like at its core, right? I think that like in terms of the way that they like the movement itself is organized, it is like they've tried to maintain. I wouldn't really call it and like any sort of like anarcho thing because I don't think that they would ever identify as that. But like it's described as being like horizontally uh, structured. You know, like they don't they 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 intentionally like don't have leadership. And when and when leaders start to kind of like sort of organically pop up, they tend to get torn down. I think that that might have changed towards the end of it as like people were like consistently you know, like showing up at the marches and there was the guy that lost his eye and he kind of became <clears throat> a bit of a symbol for the whole thing. But yeah, like as an organization, they uh, they they did operate under somewhat anarcho sort of like ideals, but they wouldn't be identifying Hor- as that. And they don't want that for a governmental system or anything like that. Yeah, but I was reading an article about how that's like totally related to social media and how like uh, before, like, the Arab Spring and, like, the Occupy movement, that wasn't so much of... It wasn't a, a very possible thing to do before social media. And this is very, like... Gilets Jean seems to be very... Fa- I don't know, like, a, a lot of articles I read anyway sort of seem to um, characterise it as being a very facebook orientated sort of group, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that that's how, like, that's how the, the movement kind of got off the ground was because of like a viral video made um by a woman out in the providences and then like a a change.org petition as well that Ah. kind of like ended up becoming a a march and then you know pretty quickly spiraled into what it what it became just something to add in here the reason why students actually started protesting yeah i didn't look into this uh, well the reasons why students started protesting was because the um, Macron and the government were starting to now change and put like higher pressures and restrictions on students getting into universities. So it was no longer like kind of universal, like anyone could apply and anyone could get in. Uh, It was kind of like an ATAR system like in Australia, but it was like way harsher. Okay. So students were starting to protest because their right to education was being limited. Yeah. And and, and I think in, in, in things like that, you can see why... Had this not been Macron, things may have turned out differently. But, but, but like part of the criticism of Macron is his elite sort of status and the fact that yeah, he went yeah, to good yeah. schools and all of that kind of stuff. And so it's like his opportunities wouldn't have been wouldn't be threatened under the laws that he's like that he's implementing. But everyone else is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah sure. But that sure, was sure. what I found interesting in my research was that at the beginning, he did seem like he was a little bit obviously a little bit naive, obviously naively privileged. Um, in his ideas of like social reform but then as time goes on and he was kind of like given opportunities to prove his um put his money where his mouth was yeah kind of like actually prove that he understood what was happening he was just super out of touch like it was just again like this whole louis the 16th (laughs) i read a part of (laughs) i read an article about this and i was like this is (laughs) So French Revolution again, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it was it was just exactly the same kind of concepts of just being so out of touch with the people and like not understanding their day to day struggles. 
and yeah, being like, yeah. what do you mean? Like, I'm here to help you. Like, what do you mean I don't understand? And then using <laughs> words like slacker and like poor <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah. And I'm like, um, clearly. Very, very <laughs> dumb guy. Yes. Um, yeah. Did you so, run into any yeah. any of the quotes? I was. Did you run into that quote that I was talking about? I, I just kept hearing something about him like telling people like, go across the road, you can get a job. I, I'll yeah, find yeah. you one. Like, I did. This kind of <laughs> I, I, I read that quote. Also, one of the biggest, my biggest uh, myths I want to bust about Macron is I don't understand why everyone's like, oh, he's so handsome. He's not. <laughs> he's got think... a huge forehead and he seems like it's he's not really a, short. He's not a handsome guy at all. <laughs> I, 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 I was even under the impression that I was like, oh, he's, he's a good looking guy. He's not a good looking guy. He's not, not at all. No, no, yeah. I know. I'm going to take back what we said about him um, in the uh, Armenia episode where Rachel referred to him as when the I, sexy when one. I said that I said he was he was spunky and uh, and I said that um, Erdogan was a looming monster. I stand by my <laughs> looming monster <laughs> remark about Erdogan, but I don't really think he's such a spunk. I don't think that Macron is as much of a I'd be, spunk. I'd be I very surprised if you turned around and you started going like. You know that Edwin, he does have a beautiful pair of brown eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Piercing dark brown eyes. But is he, so it, like from your understanding, I mean, not being in Macron's head, is he sweating? Like, is he starts to try and kind of appease them, right? A little yeah, bit. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I think he starts sweating pretty, pretty immediately. Very quickly, yeah. yeah. But I think it's also, I think like it's different. It's such a, like, I know that, I think I've ranted about this already in, in part one, maybe, I don't know, but like. Just, just the fact that like the, like the the last the last biggest sort of violent like protest movement or whatever that that was as extreme as this one was a student protest movement. I think it's really weird in like Europe, like Finland, like jumps to mind where like student protest is not just like, uh, it's it's like an important part of like it it, it like moves the mechanics of like yeah, uh, yeah. how the country operates like, um. But, but yeah, so then, so then like the, the police response, uh, cause I don't know, cause this sort of popped up in my research a lot when I was lo- like looking into journalists, but like a lot is, has been said about like the, the sort of weapons and like the, uh, the, it's the ball gun or something, like a, yeah, a bunch yeah. of the different kind of weapons that the police are able to use and then ban from and like. Yeah. Well, I know that like, um. After a little while of the protests going on, they started, like, I think once you get into, like, Act 10 or so, the protests start being centred on, on uh, like, police violence. And uh, and then also things like uh, unjust um, arrests and that sort of thing. Because, yeah, there was a lot of tear gassing going on the whole time and then the weapons became a bit more intense and a little bit more deadly and, and they were causing some pretty serious harm. There's there's one they keep going on about that is like an acronym and I don't know what it is but I know it's like a, it shoots it shoots balls or something and then there was some kind of some sort of I'm not like a weapons guy so I don't remember this stuff but like there was like a some a kind of grenade guy, that had I'm an sorry. explosive <laughs> Rachel what? you are a weapons, <laughs> you're a weapons, weapons guy weapons people weapons are you talking guys? about the A121 so... <laughs> flashbang uh, protest grenade Tom because come on but there's some, there was some kind of grenade that had a charge like that that worked with the charge the, was it the flashball yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. But then uh, that that eventually got banned, but only because they ran out of them. They don't make them <laughs> because they're inhumane. <laughs> but people, I, but uh, from my understanding, people were were dying. I think right, like people yeah, yeah. There is like a pretty freakish amount of um of uh like fatalities attached really? to this whole thing. Yeah, how many? Twelve deaths, but then um uh like five hundred, nearly six hundred people uh, injured. Oh my god! The whole thing. Yeah, there that's you go. Crazy. Yeah, and and like a lot of those people, like a good chunk of those people, being journalists and that sort of thing. There was the yeah, there was that guy that uh, lost his eye 
<laughs> like from one of the um I think he got hit by a baton or maybe a plastic bullet or something like that but yeah he lost his eye um yeah through 2019 uh the protests kind of evolve in each act uh and i think that they they happen every weekend and that's like each act is another weekend i think and um yeah they kind of gradually shift focus or like they they're like this week this is what we're you know protesting against and right right this is where we'll be doing it all of that kind of stuff and then yeah as uh coronavirus uh kicks off uh the protests slow down because you know of that and then um and then uh they start off again towards the end of 2020 um but by that point they kind of stopped being quite so uh yellow vest sort of like uh just like scented like the yellow vests aren't the the like the entirety of the protest anymore like not everyone's donning the yellow vests yeah yeah um and there's there's something like there's the red scarves like who are like an anti yellow vest movement like a counter movement, right? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't the red scarves. I don't know. What, what is thing. with these clothing? <laughs> they should just wear sleeves, if anything. Just red. Yeah, sleeves. yeah, yeah. Red sleeves. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just have and them, nothing just else. Just have them holding them up the whole time. <laughs> 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 Alright. So, um, yeah, and then I guess yeah, the most recent um, uh, uh, protests uh, happened in January of this year, twenty twenty one, where. Um, uh, yeah, protesters were kicking off about um, uh, a new piece of legislation uh, which would essentially ban... Well, it's been interpreted that it would ban um, the uh, photography and filming recording of police and then also the posting of that footage on yeah, this is of social media. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and so that kicks off because obviously over the past like three years, police brutality in... Uh, France has been very intense because of all of these protests. And uh, so the idea of like the government putting measures in place to stop anyone from being able to report on that is uh, very deadly. Yes, very, very Yeah, bad. yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. All right. So, um, yeah, so like I think in terms of the the ideology, like the overarching, overarching ideology of the Yellow Vests is populism, essentially. And um, I don't know. I I really had to like go through and like re look up what populism is because yeah, I don't really know. That's just like like that's why hence Popular Front, right? Uh, 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 not. I mean, I guess there is some sort of essentially populism. I think for me, like the the term populism has been marred by Trump because I know that like w- during uh, like Trump's campaign, populism and being and him being a populist was like a big part of that whole thing, and so I was just kind of associated with like the kind of scumbag like right like conservative right in America. But yeah, populism right, right. is essentially just um uh a, a movement of people being like tired of um kind of established politics. So the reason okay. that Trump was a populist versus Hillary Clinton was because she she reeked of old traditional American politics. Whereas Trump looks like this guy who is new and represents the people in a way that doesn't that doesn't make him for somehow right, doesn't make right, him right. one of the elite, and so populism is kind of like the Trump lie, like the, what what Trump yeah. supporters believe Trump is, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, essentially, and it and it and it and it's not like a um, it's not a it's not a left or right sort of right, thing. Right. Like it doesn't yeah. inherently belong to Anyone one camp. It, yeah. Like you can have left wing. Cause I would say that, you know, had it been um, Mitt Romney versus Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders probably would have been the populist candidate, mm. you know? Yeah. yeah sure, he kind sure. of represented a similar sort of thing to Trump in that sort of sense. And that he was yeah, like yeah. A, a leader of the people. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Represented the people more than Hillary Clinton does, or like some um, old beyond establishment. like realpolitik or whatever. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, and I think that like a big part of what the yellow vests were fighting against was Macron's out of touchness, you know, and yeah. how like he he. Um, the reason that they have like uh, that they have this very broad political spectrum within the yellow vests is because they're all kicking against that elite that elite sort of concept. Whereas, and whoever they like believe should replace that, be it Mélenchon or Le Pen, kind of depends on their own political leanings. But both of those people represent that sort of populist ideal that they yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's why the target can sort of switch to police or journalism or whatever without being particularly like anarchistic like it's not so much of an ACA well I guess it is an ACAB thing but it's less of like it's less of like anarchistic like the police force is fucked up and more like they represent the state and we want a a new state or whatever right like well they represent the the traditional way of things that hasn't helped them in the past sure 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 Again, going back to all of the revolutions. <laughs> but it is. That's exactly every no, sure. French revolution has been based on the same thing and the same yeah, issues. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And I think I think it's like like with any other country – I mean, I also – we're not French. But, like, I think with any other country, it might feel like a cliche to, like, be talking about the French Revolution. But uh, to be honest, like, from my experience – and maybe I'm way off here – like, a lot of French people I know – talk a lot about how, like, the French Revolution is sort of really, like, talked a lot about at school and, like, everyone has to study it and understand it and stuff and, like... But I think it's also ingrained into the entire world because it was, like, one of the biggest revolutions that was seen from the entire world and it impacted all of Europe. Like, when that happened, that, like, set off a chain reaction for the rest of Europe to follow suit. And so I feel like, yes... I, it makes sense that obviously the French Revolution has a huge part in French history, but it has a huge part in global history in the way that um, every kind of republic and independent country after that paved the way for themselves to gain independence. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like yeah, it was like the a, same like kind a, of protocols. They were yeah. like a revolutionary trend set. Like it, it's, it's yeah. sort of ingrained to the DNA of like, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess like... In terms of Macron being a populist, he was a populist to begin with because he kind of was... Because um, I guess that's the funny thing, because he came from a brand new party. Like, he formed his own yeah, party he into was a government. Being that very kind radical. of feels like the definition of exactly, populism. because he came across... Because he was, like, when he was um, elected and stuff, he was considered the radical opponent. Like, he was the one that created his republic and mush... Yeah, and yeah. then um, – and everything that he was fighting for, he was so anti-Trump. He had, like, all these big stances against, like, um, meditating – sorry, mediating powers in the Middle East. And he, like, yeah. really disagreed with um, mm. everyone's interference with what was happening in Libya and Syria. Yeah, he and was really – he was anti anti Erdogan. Yeah, he was anti yeah, – yeah. he had, like, all of these great – um, ideas and then he was wanting to be like this aspiration particularly of being like this kind of mediating country of not interfering and but then also like being there if they were needed you know yeah. some like, sort of vision yeah, of like right, what right. America thinks it Tries is to yeah be. yeah exactly yeah yeah sure sure yeah well it's in- it's interesting that he took such a swift kind of turn as soon as he got into office well, yeah, I think that's the thing is it that... It wasn't that feasible. None of it was that feasible. 
Yeah, according to like everything that I was researching, it just proved that there wasn't a lot of things that he could actually do to implement his ideas because there was obviously all of this reform that he tried to do and he went about it in kind of the wrong way. And then as soon as he started increasing those taxes and then not decreasing the taxes for the wealthy. Um, And then also um, a lot of his kind of like, I don't know how to describe it, but whenever he met like other world leaders, he would meet them in these like really grand places to like kind of show off France and to prove that he was like this like cultured man and like very, very, um, it's it's not very in keeping with like a I'm a man of the people kind yeah, of exactly. yeah exactly like yeah, he hosted yeah. like Putin in the Versailles Palace he hosted yeah, Trump right. on the Eiffel <laughs> Tower he um he went to the Pantheon in Athens and he went to the didn't city. he have um Bono and Rihanna come to the uh, whatever their version of Parliament House is really oh, yeah, yeah to really? talk about I think yeah sorry to interject but he had. He had them both in to talk about Bono ending poverty and Rihanna something to do with students while there were protests actively going on <laughs> yeah, about right. about students and poverty in yeah, France, yeah. <laughs> which so people thought was a bit rich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, of course, like those those two celebs are also totally out of touch. <laughs> yeah, extremely. Yeah. I think yeah, I think he kind of had these like grand ideas of being like Charles de Gaulle and like kind of being this like grandeur yeah, yeah. president and like visiting like historical landmarks. Like he went to like Xi'an in China and he went to the Taj Mahal in India and like refused to go anywhere else to be shown on like television. He was like, no, I have right, to see right. it. Okay. <laughs> so he's kind of, um, he's kind of a knob. It sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind, yeah. Yeah. I think he's like got good intentions, but good intentions at yeah, the beginning right. because but now do, yeah, everything sure. is like very different. He's very much, he's now changed a lot of the way he talks now. He's like leaning towards the right because he's lost all of the leftist voters. So he is now becoming more right-wing to gain the right-wing voters so that he can stay yeah, in power yeah. for the next election. And I'm like... Oh. Well, yeah. I think that, that that's an interesting... Because I, I did learn a little bit about like what the next election is going to look like. And mm. I don't think that he has a shot at any of it because he... Yeah, he alienated his left-wing followers. And they... Because like they were able to join up with uh, Melanchon and his whole party. And then, uh, then the exact same thing happens on the right with... Uh, um, uh, Marine Le Pen. Le Pen, yeah. yeah. Uh, who is just like Lady Trump, essentially. Mm. Yeah, is- yeah. But yeah, it was really nice that he was anti-Trump, though, when I read that. Because it was just kind of, I was reading, when I was reading, I was reading his timeline. So at the beginning, I was like, oh, yes, yes, I'm a fan. I like Macron. He's doing good things. I like his ideas. And then uh, gradually, I was like, oh, no. No, but this no, is kind no. of this is kind of the problem, I think, with the kind of performative European leaders where it's like, like, I just, like, I, you know, like, you see a lot of this in Germany as well, where it's like, oh, did you see that look that Merkel gave Trump? Like, uh, or like <laughs> yeah, did you see? Yeah. But then really, where does it, like, you know, yeah, apart from, like, the kind anything. of the occasional speech or sideways glance or not shaking of the hand, it's like, okay, well, there's more that could be done, you know, or could have been <laughs> yeah. done, I suppose, yeah. I think I'm also, and this, what when I was reading, a lot of what I was reading, I think now since Trump, I'm so 
um, desensitized to like middly bad politics because now I'm <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah. he's not as bad as Trump. He's obviously not that bad. So I'm like, oh, he's okay. I can <laughs> yeah. forgive yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. But then in like the grand scheme of the world, I'm like Trump. No, no, I can't keep comparing everybody to him. Yeah, Trump can't set to, the bar. I know. I'm <laughs> he like, has I exceeded need to the separate bar. them. <laughs> yeah, separate exactly. the church from Trump. Separate the state from Trump. But I have to read that. And I, again, like, this is the thing when I said at the start, I get so confused because I read all these things and I'm like, oh, but they introduced this, like, say with the carbon tax and the rising of the fuel prices. I'm like, yeah, but that's what Julia Gillard was trying to do. And I understand that that is intentionally, it's a good thing, the good intentions to try and combat climate change. They just went about it in a really bad and wrong way. And then I'm kind of like, well, are we going to really be so critical of someone who's trying to do the right thing, but is just doing it in the wrong way? Yeah. And that then makes me seem like I'm a moderate and I'm a centrist. And I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm not. I'm just being understanding. Yeah. But like, I mean, he could, like, I I get what you mean. Like he could tax the rich and and have achieved the same, uh, like achieve the same, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I know. But then, but, but then, any- I, I, like, I also think that, like, it should not be forgotten, like, because it is a popularist movement. Like, I, I'm sure that there were a lot of, uh, in fact, I know for pretty much for a fact from interviews I've listened to, a lot of the Gilets Jaunes were just anti, uh, like, anti the environmental measures and don't want to yeah, tax right, fuel. Okay. Like, there definitely there's, you know, like there there's a lot of. I'm sure, like. Um, there's a lot of like within the Gilets Jaunes being a populist movement. It's not necessarily like uh, something where I, I wouldn't be surprised if you ran into a lot of bullshit within. Like there's a lot of racism within the Gilets Jaunes, like from mm. what I can see and stuff. And like it's a very, very, it's a very white movement, like an extremely white. It's a, it, a but there's a lot of um. Apparently there seems to be like a lot of a lot of women involved, but not a lot of people of color and, and things like that do make a difference when. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yes, uh, yeah, populist movement is the overarching sort of, um, uh, yeah, like uh, ideology of the whole group. But I did find this really, like, extremely helpful article that was kind of the only one I really needed to look at for this uh, particular thing uh, called Ideological Divisions Within the Yellow Vest Movement, (laughs) which uh, was Ah, a survey, like, uh, like an article written based on a survey that the people that wrote the article had done over, I think it was like... I think it was about 600 people, 600 uh, protesters that they had um, uh, found through like various yellow vest or uh, Facebook groups, and they surveyed them about their like um, about their yeah politics. When in the in the survey, which was done kind of like relatively early into the movement, like the start of 2019, um, of the whole group, only 30 percent of people uh, stated that they were had any political leaning at all. Like, oh uh, really? It was either. I don't want to say, or I don't have any political leaning. And that may just be within the movement, like in the context of the movement, but it may have also just been that they are not like political people generally. Mm. Yeah. And so there, I think uh, of that 30%, slightly more of them were left leaning, slightly, not by much. I think it was like a couple of percent and only uh, 3.2 of them uh, referred to themselves as centrists. 3.2%, sorry, which I think says a lot about the Macron thing. Um, yeah, and mostly because of the fact that, like, or the belief that the centrist policy policies that had kind of been enacted by both left and right governments uh, over the past, like, 40 years had turned, had gotten France into the situation that yeah. it's kind of in now. But that's the case with every protest. <laughs> it's always going to be, but this is because of the government and what it's been doing for the past, like... Years and years, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, sure. But sure. it did. Yeah, it had like a, a rejection. Like 
in 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 that they were referring to the like either sides of the government, like the the conservative and the progressive governments, and and yeah, and so yeah, mm-hmm. like it, it's it, regardless of like a a major party's leading, it wasn't it wasn't anywhere like near enough for anybody. And so when you look at the uh, how the yellow vests voted in the twenty seventeen election. Uh, you can see like how kind of like who, who was that was it, was that Le Pen was Le Pen in the in the race in the last election right yeah and so was Mélenchon yeah yeah okay okay so you've got yeah Marine Le Pen and Jean Luc Mélenchon and so okay. Le Pen is uh, the leader of the like of the national rally which is a sort of like yeah, Trumpy yeah, like, Trumpy sort of thing um, who has called for the de-Islamization of France and said that uh, like multiculturalism has failed us as a nation all this oh kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, then uh, Mélenchon, uh, who is a, who is seen as a bit of a Bernie sort of figure, uh, comes from a very like socialist uh, background. He um, calls for the expansion of welfare, redistribution of wealth, uh, labor rights, uh, uh, abortion rights, um, healthcare, drug reform, things like that. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting that yeah, like you'd have like two very opposing sort of. Uh, like uh, politicians rep being like pretty equally represented within uh within like this single protest movement, I think. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. But then when you look at uh like when you look at the sort of um domestic uh, economic policies of those two people, they do sort of fall into a somewhat similar vein. Like it's kind of right. It's hard to explain, but so with um uh Le Pen, she's like a supporter of protectionism. Protectionism is like, is essentially, I'm going to read like just the quote from Wikipedia that like it's an economic policy of restricting imports from other countries through like tariffs, um, import quotas, and 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 sort of government regulation. And so, it's a way of sort of uh, I think like ensuring um, sort of uh, national economic growth uh, before right. uh, globalization, you know, and yeah, and, sure, sure, and importing sure. that sort of thing, and it does like, and it and it is it it does have like a slight amount of like sort of regulation. It's not it's not a completely free market sort of um, okay okay sort of idea, but it is still very much like a it's a capitalist sort of idea, yeah like, yeah concept, course, you know. And uh, she's also like she's also um, quite against like the privatization of uh, of like different public sectors. Uh, she like was a big opponent to the privatization of uh, the postal service and that sort of thing a couple of years okay, ago. Okay, well that's, that's All cool. right, that's good. Yes, these are good things. Yes, but should remember also de-Islamization of France yes. and oh, all yeah, of this. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, this is yeah, fuck it. <laughs> this is the, this is Le Pen, and so. Okay, sure, sure. But then, um, but then, yeah, you have Mélenchon who. Uh, you know, has like a much more socialist sort of uh, view of, of like uh, of domestic um, economics, and that like kind of speaks to that same sort of frustration. It it, it expresses the same frustration that is being um, that is being met with uh, Le Pen's sort of approach, but to a different political audience. Do you know what? I, to, to, I'm yeah, sure that kind of. Sense. I kind of. It's like it's it's not like a it's sort of like a horseshoe effect thing, or maybe not really. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. I think that I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say a horseshoe because it's not two ends of like it's not two extreme ends. I'd say that it's like no, no. it's just two different versions of a frustration being expressed for a specific audience, where yeah, the people okay, on right, the right, right can can have like their their sort of economic interests are still being um, like appealed to in a way that is still right leaning and conservative. 
and then yeah, yeah. Mélenchon's <laughs> p- policies are like fit into a into a left leaning kind of framework. But maybe right. uh, maybe I'm like way off. But may- maybe is it sort of like in America, like Trump, Trump and uh, Bernie are kind of speaking to the the same kind of class of people or whatever. But the difference is yeah. Trump is specifying like, oh, it's you white people, while as Bernie is kind of saying, well, no, it's like you kind of forgotten about lower middle class people of all of the sparse variety of background. Maybe that's not. No, I think they're just there's different enemies. Like I think like yeah, they're right, the right. same issues, but then. Each person pinpoints a different enemy that people need to be focusing on. Yeah, that's is a very that good it? point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so it's, it's uniting sort of, against I, a common enemy, but the common enemy is different for both right and left wing. Yeah, I wouldn't say that um, it's quite as combative as that. I don't think that it has that, like, um, kind of hostility to it. Where I'm not sa- yeah, I'm not, I'm just using that as like an as, as a sort of way of me and racial understanding. Way of explaining it. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, but <laughs> I just think that that doesn't quite explain it. Sure, but I, I think we, I think yeah, okay. I think, yeah. I think just for me and Rachel to get it, it kind yeah, of I understand words. it in that yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> I can only understand things through the veil of American politics. I think. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sad. Well, that's very good for French politics. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, they both like they both have their own alternatives to the current system that that align with with different with people's political leanings, and so. And that's and and that that falls back into that sort of populist idea where it has like it has a shaken up and a non traditional way of dealing with the economic problems that people are frustrated by that you know yeah can can align with the rest of your politics on multiculturalism and and progressivism versus or conservatism or whatever sure 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 okay okay. Okay, and so yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think so, I understand. I think I get it. So the um, so within within the yellow vest, I think that there's quite a conscious effort. Uh, there has been quite a conscious effort to make sure that people um, don't address too many uh, other political issues for the sake of like pulling the group apart. I think that they, I think right, that everyone okay. knows that if we start bickering about other sort of ideas like be like that on like multiculturalism or something like that, we're very quickly going to splinter off into ah, different bits okay, and it's cool. going to turn that's into good. an annoying smart, thing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's really clever. And I think it shows like a bit of maturity that I think uh, like a lot of places lack. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that is actually quite, you can see that pretty easily in the yellow vest movement internationally where mm. internationally, the yellow vests <laughs> have been taken over by the far right. Like they're, they're yeah. Like well, I think that would oh, be really? pretty easy to do. Big time, yeah, yeah. So like Canada is a particularly bad spot, and so is uh, Germany and and mm-hmm. the UK, where in Canada, um, like uh, white supremacist biker gangs were recruiting people at yellow vest protests and stuff like that. Like wait, wait, wait. Like hold on. How is the yellow vest protests international? I well uh, because people just started. I think people started it in solidarity, and then it became oh, like a, they they were venting the ex- the same sort of frustrations uh. in their own countries. And and also, it's like it's weird. Like I saw what I think was it was like definitely farmers protesting in Berlin, like the other day when I was tearing down through Tier Park, and there was like a bunch of tractors, and they had a bunch of French flags, and I was like, is this gilets jaunes? But they they like it's and then I f- re- like remember that like. Oh, France is super close. Like, you know, all these countries are like, the, the EU is all super related to France and super, like, and especially, you know, like France and Germany kind of like 
Yeah, I mean, kind Fran- of like yeah, French Germany and the UK are like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neighbours. But yeah, yeah but in, in the UK, the um, EDL have kind of hijacked the whole thing, the English Defence League, and Tommy Robinson's been... Um, Not good. Tommy Robinson, the dickhead of the century, has been yeah, uh, yeah. like, um, uh, yeah, bringing the EDL to all of the uh, all of the marches, recruiting, same thing. And yeah, in Germany, you start getting some neo-Nazis coming in as well. And, yeah, uh, as always in this country. There's always yeah. there's always some. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that I think that I, I think that it shows that like the yellow vest kind of movement represents a bit of a Rorschach sort of test for people where Right, right. You know, it's this really broad expression of frustration that works quite well in a French context, but then when you take it out of that and you take out that sort of maturity that, that they've had in growing as a movement in the way that they have it can really easily be skewed into be whatever sort of thing that yeah. you want it yeah, to be. Yeah, and sure. so you can kind of utilise frustrations of, of economic equality and all that sort of stuff, which is uh, exists across the board of political of the political spectrum. Yeah, right, right. And, oh, interesting. And then, yeah. and then you can kind of just turn it into whatever you want. But then, yeah, in France, like a very intensely conscious decision has been made to not let that happen because they understand the broader goals of the movement mm, much mm. more than anyone else. Yeah, yeah right, okay, interesting. Oh, okay, so, cool. Yeah, that's that's essentially the the political like that's the ideologies of of the yellow best. <laughs> and and I can finally stop talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, dude, that article was really good. Yeah, I'll, I'll like obviously that article will be linked in the show notes Link because it, yeah. uh, it's it's yeah like there's 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 a bit more to it and they show a lot of data in there. So on on journalism, I uh, as I said before. I really don't think I could have done this without having some kind of an index of like what the different um, the different news media is like what their kind of rough agenda is or or characterization of what they are, um, and it's definitely definitely worth noting that like everything I've done uh, has been Google translated. So I mean, like, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff where I had to go, huh? <laughs> what? And it also like charmingly kept translating um gilets jaunes into uh, to yellow waistcoats. <laughs> so, so that let's let's I love have that. that. That's very That's cute. the upper middle class. Uh... It's the bourgeoisie. <laughs> the yellow waistcoats. But I'm um, basically so I kind of got to, I don't know I'm going to kind of go in a sort of exploration through the different divisions of, of media and kind of the way that they tackle the issue of like, uh, the question I've kind of characterized is like, why do the Gilets jaunes hate journalists so much? Because it's, it seems to be more than uh, some protest groups. Like a lot of them, like it's, it's mostly police focused, but then they might not like the way that the media is treating them. But the, but the Gilets jaunes seem to be demonstrably pretty aggressive towards journalists in general. Um, so that's kind of like the question that comes up is like, why are they so particularly anti-journalism? Um, so I'm going to start with an article from Le Monde, which is like the age. So it's kind of like from, from my, uh, from my index that I've got given is like, uh, kind of like it was center left. It's becoming more kind of center right. So this is an, it's like a discussion on, um, the Gilets jaunes and like violence against journalists. And this is an interview with, uh, BFM. So, like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of, like, me reminding you what they're all meant to sort of mean. BFM is, like, the Fox News of um, of France. And this is an interview with a reporter for Fox News. So, Roman Repatou, a young 30-year-old reporter, this is a quote from him, 
Um, around 3.30 p.m., I heard several demonstrators who recognized Jean Wilfred start insulting him. BFM collaborators, we are going to make you skin, submen, etc. Which is, <laughs> this, but we're just getting into the translations here. Yeah. <laughs> sub you submen, I'm going to make you skin. <laughs> but um, uh, in a video published on social networks, we distinguished the three journalists surrounded by a group of yellow vests. It was then my, my two bodyguards with whom I work systematically on the demonstrations told me to run very fast and exfiltrated me. I think they saved my life, specified Mr. Fourch, Fourch, I can't pronounce French, who then took refuge in a CRS truck to escape his pursuers. Present on the scene shortly after the altercation, the photographer Ulrich Liebel from the MYOP agency noticed this kind of situation has happened more and more frequently. For 10 years or so, it's been systematic. Photographers and all cameramen, it's every day. In the demonstrations, we are at least being insulted. Roman Repartour, who had produced the subjects for CNews since the beginning of the movement. People don't know anything about our job, he continues. They think we're working for Macron, but change their mind when they see our reports at night. So this is kind of like the the landscape. I mean, and obviously it differs in different cities and in different protests, but like over the last two years, like uh, like protests, like uh, like news people even have started like hiding the kind of emblem of, of what news uh, company they work for because they're kind of being physically attacked when they're sort of caught, you know, trying to report. So the the initial article that I read was uh, by Le Echo, which is meant to be kind of like the I guess like the neoliberal kind of um, paper, um, and it was sort of discussing like what like the issue like the the answer to the question of like why they hate the media could be that they feel that the media uh, underreports like doesn't discuss the gilets jaunes enough, um, and this article kind of paints them to be very. Uh, I'll just read the quote from the article. If the yellow vests are numerous to have expressed their distrust of the media, they have nevertheless given them a large place. The National Audiovisual Institute has just published a study that to, on the coverage reserved for social mobilization in television news of the five main channels. His conclusions, the yellow vest movement has experienced unprecedented media coverage by its scale, which we'll thank the Google Translate there. But basically saying that, like, they received uh, a whole lot, like, not, uh, something like 30% of all uh, media, like, coverage over that time period was the yellow vest. This is just at the beginning of the movement. Um, looking into that, I suppose that it seems like their issue is not that they're not being reported enough. It's, like, the it's focused solely on the violence and not so much on the right, central okay. points of the movement. Yeah. So yeah. back to this Le Monde, the age kind of uh, uh, article. The anti-fawn heard by all journalists who have worked in the suburbs for the past 20 years. You only come when the cars are on fire. A criticism sometimes heard by those concerned. There is a certain truth in these attacks, recognises a journalist from France, Bleu Normandie. I don't have any info on what they are. It is sometimes more tempting to go and film the riots on the Champs de the Champs de Lycée than the peaceful gatherings uh, in the adjacent street. So that's kind of like could be one possible... Uh, like, I mean, and I'm sure that like... Uh, within, as we know, you know, as we discussed, like within the Gilets Jaunes, I'm sure there's a bunch, like everyone has a different reason for hating the media, but that's, that's one point that I can find is that they're being sort of, uh, underreported or reported on a little, uh, biasedly. Yeah. So kind of just like a little bit of misrepresentation. Yeah. Misrepresentation. Yeah, for sure. Then there, so like now kind of like discussing, uh, the distrust, this is kind of a continuation of that article in Le Echo, the neo-lib one. Um, 
This representative crisis has be- has benefited alternative media such as Brute. Now, Brute is interesting. It's kind of, I think it seems to be kind of a bit like Vice News or something. It's like a, a I, I, and I can't watch any of their videos because it's all in French. So, and it's video uh, media company. So I, I never actually got to see it, but they seem to be the one that the Gilets Jaunes like. They're like a new youth orientated uh, video movement. So maybe something like Vice or Popular Front, but this is kind of like the Gilets Jaunes like them. They did an interview with Macron, which was seemed to be like a really big deal because I think he he wasn't openly talking about these issues. He only did with Brut. So uh, Leico is sort of identifying Brut as like the alternative media, along with Think of You and, and RT, like the, the Russian funded uh, news channel. And it sort of like characterizes them as like the, the traditional media, like that people... Um, moving towards these kind of alternative medias might be one of the reasons that they're that they're so um upset at the media and and kind of characterizes them as like wait I'll read this direct quote uh supporters of the mobilization have also turned to social media networks as sources of information despite the massive dissemination of fake news this too may have contributed to fueling the mistrust in the traditional media so basically just saying like people are dumb and they should read like our papers because that's why they're getting everything wrong like that 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 these alternative okay. medias are whipping up paranoia which i think is is perfectly cate- uh, characterized in this next article by the same paper that i'm going to read t- titled um democracy in the face of the poison of disinformation <laughs> <laughs> everywhere even in the democracies a poison is spreading that of abysmal distrust in information, the media and journalists. France is not immune. Measured each year in more than 30 countries, our rate of confidence in information has lost 11 points in one year, an unprecedented drop. With 22%, France thus ranks second to last. The media smoke us. That's what they. Uh, that's what the protesters chant. That's also a bad translation. Uh, <laughs> is repeated by the yellow vest. So... Uh, they were put on the list by uh, the Council of Europe, I think, Um that France is in, in actually the top 10 countries pinned for violence against journalists uh, in, in the whole world, or, or at least the EU. I've got a quote from an article about it, uh, Le Humanité, which I think is a communist paper. Um, the Council of Europe classifies France in the group of 10 countries to follow because of police violence against journalists covering protests. On May 3rd, Word, world Press Freedom Day, Emmanuel Macron greeted on Twitter the works of journalists around the world, recalling that the press freedom was the guarantor of d- democratic life. And then the next day, France is placed at uh, the top of the ranking of like uh, anti, <laughs> anti-journalistic anti <laughs> countries. So then there's also like, there's a, there's, there's violence against the press coming from the protesters, also from the police. Um, this is from a different article by Liberation, who are kind of a lefty uh, newspaper. In a sheet devoted to France, police violence is directly denounced by the RSF, which is like, um, uh, I think, a French group of like people who protect journalists like around the world. Um, the year 2008 saw a number of attacks and pressures against news media and against journalists grow dangerously. Insulted, threatened, assaulted, even injured by demonstrators or by bullets from the defense of the police, journalists were confronted during the movement of the Yellow Vest in November 2018 with a level of violence unprecedented in France. So... Then now I think it's a good time to get into what in particular, who are they targeting the most? Like who does the, the Gilets Jaunes not like? And the obvious answer from my research is uh, BFM, which are uh, Fox News, I think. So all the BMF, uh, the BFM articles, uh, mostly it's TV stuff, so I couldn't understand it. But the stuff I found was all things like, uh, this is a, a title of one of their articles. 
Yellow Vest, fake news viewed 105 million times on Facebook. On Facebook, the digital stronghold of the Yellow Vest, fake news, has multiplied since the beginning of the movement. According to a report published by NGO Avaz, an organization founded by the relatives of the American Democratic Party, false information reached 105 million views on social network. It just goes on like that for about three mm. pages of just Jesus. like <laughs> the different kind of like... Uh, like accusing the, which I'm, I don't know anything about, but like accusing the Gilets Jaunes of like editing videos from America to make it look like it's France, but just by putting French landmarks in the background or something. That was my <laughs> okay. I know I know that those ones were especially uh, badly translated. So I don't know, maybe like, I think I want to give myself that little rope ladder here is like the deep hell only goes so far to like... <laughs> So the, here's sort of like a, a perspective from from an actual journalist. This is from a paper called La La Croix, La Croix. I don't know La, the Cross. La uh, it's like a Christian <laughs> La Croix, La Croix. Uh, it's like a Christian newspaper, but it's kind of considered journalistically pretty sound. I think that was the assessment I I, I got. Um, and this is a reporter for uh, BMF. Uh, even if he, he works for one Xavier, which is a fake name is not fully at ease with the format of the continuous news channels, which mixes opinion and information. It was while covering a demonstration that he was attacked by yellow vests, recognisable on the ground by their cameras and assimilated to the speeches held on the sets the ten television journalists were at the forefront of the attacks. This is a quote from him. At the beginning, I did my job normally. I made the, my interviewees speak live, even if it meant asking for more airtime. Then I felt that we were becoming the target, just like the government. For them, we only broadcast official messages. So he basically, like, he, his view is, like, we can't represent the protesters if the protesters are attacking us. But then also, like, what becomes clear is that, like, these news channels, which I think is a popular kind of issue with, like, some of these trashier news channels or whatever, is the mix of opinion and information which we have a quote further down the article about. Uh, the experience of some editors contrasts with the violence experienced by the television crews in the demonstrations. When there are difficulties on the ground, it is often because journalists do not have the opportunity to take time with the people. Temp is a correspondent for the Daily Liberation, which is a left-wing paper. Based on her experience, she recommends explaining journalistic work to people in order to approach them in a calmer manner. They are very curious about what we do with our work and often lose the preconceptions when discussing. So their response would be kind of to take a more humanitarian, like, equal perspective when talking to protesters, which kind of brings me to my last point, which is the point that I, you know, in terms of why do the Gilets Jaunes hate the press, and this is kind of the point that resonates the most with me, is uh, a discussion about the the journalist class in, in France and the difference between, the distinct difference between the journalists and the lives of, of the Gilets Jaunes, like working class or lower middle class people. So there's one article, I if I could, I would just read the whole article, but I can't. Uh, it's very funny. It's very well written. It's very interesting. It's written by Jérôme Lefilarete, if that's how you say it, probably it isn't. Um, and it's from Liberation, which are like a lefty paper. And it's called um, Yellow Vest, the media at the self-critical stage. So it's kind of like, it's this discussion with a bunch of different journalists spanning all kinds of media companies, just sort of explaining how the press is alienated from common people and ways in which they make it harder to find any kind of um, common ground with them. A floor is recognized by almost all of the people questioned. Uh, journalists are acutely aware of their social and cultural uniformity of the absence of diversity among them. Very often they live in Paris or in the metropolitan sort of areas, 
have completed higher education, come from upper, class, upper or middle class, and have an average on higher purchasing power than the rest of the population. According to the Observatory of the Press Trades, the medium sal- salary of a tenured journalist, 74% of the, po- of the profession, was around €3,500 gross per month in 2016, or about €2,800 net. That of all French people was one thousand eight hundred euros in two thousand fifteen, according to the INSEE. The remuneration, the re, yeah, the remuneration of freelance journalists and f- on fixed term con- contracts is even more in line with this figure, although higher. Uh, this gap creates conditions for mistrust. Journalists do not have an intimate and spontaneous knowledge of roundabouts or the speed limit to eighty k per hour, as seen on the <laughs> attack of central power. So. That's an interview with the co-founder of local investigative media, Media Chatez, Sylvian uh, Morvan. So uh, it goes on to explain through a bunch of interviews with different people that journal the journalist class in France, they hang out only with each other. They sort of intermarry and, and don't really like um, have a lot of connection. Like most of their lives are centered around journalism and different journalists. Um, it's a funny idea, like a journalist yeah, class. Strange. It's not something you'd ever really think of, like yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, like intermarrying is such a funny thing for just like gen- for an occupation, gen- yeah, for yeah, a job. yeah. Well, it's kind of. I'm just getting the whole vibe from this. Is it's the same issues as Macron? They're out of touch, and they're, they're saying out of touch. that yeah, they exactly. are yeah. a voice of the people, but they're not if they're into marrying. Yeah, if they literally <laughs> they are only... their own class. Yeah, yeah. like how are they supposed to represent class struggle? Exactly, that's so <laughs> not fascinating. To mention, that's so not to, weird. Not to mention funded by you know billionaires, which is exactly what they're yeah, exactly. protesting against. Yeah, this is from uh, this is from the president of the Society of Journalists and Liberation Staff. The media have probably not opened their doors enough. You have to be transparent. Explain how you work and debate to regain confidence with the public. Uh, Natasha Polony, director of Maryam, who we see and hear several times a week in the media. Many journalists consider that their role is to say good and bad, how we think. People have the impression of being priests in front of them. Um, before we had, this is uh, from Bryce Courtier, columnist on the France culture. I don't know what that is. Before we had a monopoly on information, from now on, information is ahead of us in social networks. We are reacted by ideal, ideologizing, <laughs> ideal, Ideologi- ideologizing. ideologizing to death by becoming directors of conscience. But in reality, a journalist has few skills. He is a generalist because we do not go into subjects in depth uh, in journalism school. Instead of explaining, we blow on easy ideological divisions. People have understood that very well and it annoys them. Mm, that's a good point. Um, and then finally, I have this is kind of like a little side note on this, but the Rue eighty nine, who I don't know much about, um, talking about kind of like what we discussed a few times about bots and algorithms and stuff. Um, it's a quote from Noelin Leblevenik. Uh, we we too <laughs> have fallen into the audience trap, even though we were far from being the worst. We were glued to Chartbeat, a software for analyzing internet traffic in real time. We took to the slightest viral wave. We operated by keywords. We rebounded on futile controversies and we overtitled articles. We put aside the quant- the qualitative, qualitative, but to inspire Quali- confidence. Qualitative. Qualitative. <laughs> qualitative. But to inspire confidence, you need to have a backbone. Over the past five years, we haven't been paying enough attention to that. And it, it's like, it's interesting to me because I just, I think it'd be good to like talk to, I'd love to talk to a journalist because like, when I think about what we're doing, which is by no means journalism and like it's really just regurgitating stuff that we read, 
But I sort yeah. of wonder, like, when when you're a journalist, like, do you like, and you go to, I don't know, like, you study journalism, like, what what do you like? What does it mean? Like, what do you gain, and what does it change, and how do you like keep take hold of those kind of like how do you understand like I don't know I, I just raises a I point about just a it's a process like I know that when I was at uni I studied some journalist journalism subjects and it was just practicing how to write and how to approach a topic like it's more about like the process of researching information and then how to then present that in a non-biased mm. way <laughs> but it does yeah it does leave a huge hole because I remember yeah. thinking that when I wanted to go to uni for journalism I kind of decided against it because I was like if I study at uni something that I would like to write about, then it would just be way like I can I can figure out I think it's easier to figure out how to write about something yeah. than it is to know about the thing mm. that you're writing about, you know? And so is, yeah. like if you wanted to like if you wanted to be a science writer, study science yeah, exactly. and then and then learn to write, you know, mm. at night school or something, mm. or just through YouTube or just by doing it. Yeah, and I think that there's a there's a point that I was kind of like searching for maybe more in the Nagorno Karabakh episode when it comes to like independent journalism and, and why is it better? And and it's something I haven't really thought about in terms of class issues is that like, you know, people who work for these independent media companies where they do a lot of it themselves, maybe one difference is is they are like closer to the people that they're reporting about and they even the people can kind of like uh have a, a voice in journalism who didn't go to university. And um, I don't know, maybe like instead of like having to go to a certain area or understand a certain topic, they have an innate understanding of the topic because they're the people that they're reporting about. They're also yeah, the same exactly. people. Yeah, because I think that that does like that that applies to to other you know like uh, vocations. It's like if mm. you're going to be a drug and alcohol counselor, they tend to try and find people who have experience with drug and yeah, alcohol abuse sure. because you can relate to it in some mm. sort of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it, that just relates to kind of any role where you are trying to be a representative of a group of people. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I think like yeah, yeah. being a journalist. It's like the broadest version of that. But also not because like a journalist is supposed to just state the facts and like a journalist is supposed to just find the facts and just present them in in the most unbiased way possible. Yeah. But yeah. in and, and our current day and age it's kind of impossible to be unbiased so then you have to then try and adapt and try and take on a different kind of perspective of journalism and that comes through personal experience and personal narrative yeah and and i think and and, and like also how how you uh, can be like how you can present yourself to get that information you know it's like you can't you can't rock up to the the portland protests wearing a suit and looking really sure. legit yeah. because yeah, exactly. you're just not yeah. going to get the information that creates like mm. an unbiased view because yeah. you're going to get the... Not to mention, I think like with a lot of like, you know, like how hard it is for these media conglomerates to like make money the same way that they used to, like and to, to mm. like to stay afloat. Like there's a bunch of stuff that I didn't really include in the research, but I skimmed over about like how journalists are being pushed to increasingly uh, like combine opinion and factual reporting. Exactly. To, yeah. In, instead of instead of separating, and not necessarily because the issues. Like I get what you mean about like that's a really interesting point, Rachel. I didn't think about it about like how the internet makes it impossible to really remove your opinion. Mm. But even that in in situations where it is possible that they're being encouraged not to, you know, which yeah, I think is yeah. an issue, you know, when we're, you know, when we're not labeling something as like, oh, this is my opinion, you know. But it is, yeah, exactly, I don't know, it's, yeah. It's complicated, of course. Well, like, I think yeah. that's just the way of 
modern journalism has transformed. Like modern journalism is now Twitter feeds and it is based mm. on people's opinions. And it's kind of, we need to acknowledge that. We need to realise that journalism is no longer the journalism that we know it to have been or what yeah, it was yeah. supposed to be. Yeah, well, we I think need that's to the, acknowledge I think that's the that, thing, that it is, is it, I don't think it ever was. Updated. Yeah. I think it's just, I think it, it like the transparency is there a bit more now because everyone realizes, like, oh. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think that it definitely was at the beginning when the printing press happened. <laughs> in yeah, the but even then, it was always serving revolution. a sort of purpose, which is like, and, and I mean, that's like what we're, that's like the whole point of the show is to try and figure that out. But I think that, yeah, yeah like that was, like, that was always the case. And I think that it's both gotten more intense like personal opinion has become a lot more like bold faced and we've also started to realize that that's happening. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz yeah, like you know, you can have a you can have a journalist like you can like some dude from the New York Times or some very traditional paper, you can also go on his Twitter feed and see what his just like flat out opinions are and then just mm. like cross reference that with the articles that he writes and you'll see that there's like a similarity between those two things. Cuz of course there has to be like it's like yeah, pretty yeah. much impossible not to have that yeah but uh but yeah i think i think it's it like it, it's an interesting topic i'm trying to think of like what i took away because i kind of like i didn't find too like i found the media stuff i didn't know much about but everything else pretty much was like a more detailed account of what i kind of already understood but it's good to it's good to to understand more about it and i think like i'm 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 glad that i understand like kind of like what is going on <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, I'm glad that I know what's going on and I know that it's not a bunch of killer wasps protesting <laughs> well, in We don't know that. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> yeah. I think for they me, I, I think that I, I like, I, I'm not someone who is like, man, we all need to get together left and right and just, you know, like all that kind of stuff. I don't fully believe in that sort of unification necessarily. Yeah. But it is quite, it's, it, it's, it was pretty cool to go through the, um, uh, yeah, those, those stats and say that, people were able to set aside some of these differences in the name of a, of a unified sort of goal was just like, it was, yeah, it was a maturity that I feel like I haven't seen much of recently mm. in yeah, a lot yeah. of the rest of the world where like my eye generally turns to, you know, like at least in the West, you know. I think it's mm. something that whenever we talk about any kind of social issue, mm. the underlying issue is always a class struggle. And so this is yeah, kind yeah. of like a perfect example of them acknowledging that the underlying issue is class and yeah. that yeah, they yeah. are banding together against the class um, issues. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. It yeah. it all it all begins with class, exactly. Yeah, yeah. everyone yeah has to realize that's yeah. the root of every single problem. It is. It actually is. <laughs> yeah, fully. Yeah. Um. Uh. Unless, uh, like, do you guys have anything else to note? Because otherwise, I'll just do the the final the final um, readouts. That. Macron should just go eat some macaroons. Yes. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> we fucking brought it home. We fucking did it. We had, <laughs> it was just laying loose on the floor and she put it in the boat. <laughs> there we go. We got it. Um, Tied it up all nice ooh. and fancy. <laughs> um, as, as usual, if... Uh, if you want to find us, you can find us on Instagram at Opheads Podcast, uh, and go to www.cowardspace/opheads, um, where you can see 
Uh, I, I especially encourage French speakers, if you're interested and have the time and, and aren't busy, to like look over what, all, what my articles and, and check that I haven't like totally like deep hell and me haven't fucked something. Bungled <laughs> the, the, the translation. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's kind of it's new ground for us to kind of talk about an issue that we don't like, you know, in a country that isn't our language and stuff. So mm. there's a, there's probably a lot of stuff that we have. Uh, missed out on not being French. So please, like, we're really encouraging everyone to, like, reach out and email us if we get something wrong, you have a different opinion, or we overlooked something, uh, you can email us at opheadspodcast at gmail.com. Yes, please email us because I want to respond to some emails. Yes. I want to have a pen pal. <laughs> I've got I've got some Instagram uh, people. A lot of people are saying they really like the show. I've got some people saying, like, a lot of people, they listen to one and then they listen to all of them, which is really, really good to hear. I really oh, love that. that's so nice. Because Who if you listen to one... Show your uh, <laughs> If you listen to one and not all the other ones, then I'm not happy with you. I'm not <laughs> disappointed. Put in the work. Yes. No, but thank you, everyone. It's really nice. But yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, I'm very interested to hear what uh, what people think of this. Um, uh, anyone that didn't know anything. I, I guess anyone that didn't know anything about it either. <laughs> if you want yeah, to... Yeah, let us know. Sure. Yeah, let us know. Was it boring? <laughs> Did you like it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, are we boring? Sorry. Well, yeah. we all stopped talking. <laughs> <laughs> Unusual for none of us to be talking. <laughs> very weird. Yes. So, thank you very much uh, for listening. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks with yes. another hot topic. Yes. Uh, very, very exciting stuff. We've already got it completely planned out. We know yeah, exactly we know exactly what, we're what it is. About. We're about to... We're so planned, we know. guys. We're so organized. We're very excited. Mm. Um, also, my book is still available. It's it always oh, yes. will be, I think. So, you, if you want to, it's like a, it's a short novella. It's it's um, it, it, you can read it in a couple of hours, and it's a interesting look into uh, the um, protest culture in in Berlin and the landscape of the summer of COVID nineteen. Mm. Um, it's available on my website, or you, you can find me on Instagram at Coward Space. Um, my website is cowardspace.com. And if you if you want to encourage my my Twitch uh, stream game playing. Uh, you, please let us know because I'm actually playing Drive now a lot more than Sonic Dash, so it might be a slightly different landscape. But please, please keep up. I'm seeing that you're all there, really trying to really. But it, it'll be a subscription plan, and I'll try and make it as cheap as possible. But it won't be cheap. It won't be too cheap. <laughs> what is this? I'm so Drive is not a cheap game. It's oh, not no. easy to hook a PlayStation 1 up to to, to a Dri- to Drive is a very, very cool. Game. No, no, it's not so that confused. drive. It's a my way cooler, way chiller version of that. Okay. It's about cruising. I've been <laughs> I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima on Twitch, if anyone wants to oh, check really? it out. How do, you, how do you have that? Do you have a PlayStation 4 or whatever? Mm. I, got a, I got a big boy PlayStation. Yeah, oh. you better believe it. Man. I want to play something on Twitch. I'm twitching on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> Just twitching. Very funny. Oh. <laughs> that was terrible. I'm sorry. What can I do? I You can watch me from my window. Oh, yeah. Follow Pockmag at Pockmag, P-O-C-C-Mag on Instagram and Pockmag.com because we're great and we're all about uplifting and spotlighting Diversity. So, yeah. And also follow us because who knows what's going to happen to this Australian media thing. So we need yeah, interesting. And we yeah. need we need people to follow so that they kick up a stink if we get... And, and I can vouch for PogMag. They they only post interesting stuff, very well produced. There's no... There's nothing... There's nothing... Uh, like, it's, it's good in the feed. It's nice in the feed. 
Oh, thanks, Tom. That's really That's my nice. review. Learn a lot. <laughs> Zeb, I noticed that no one's followed you at Myo's on, uh, or maybe they have, I missed it, but I really want on, you on... all to go check him out on TikTok yeah, at check. Myo's. <laughs> TikTok. Yes, you can find me on TikTok in the, uh, the ongoing narrative of where you can find me online. <laughs> I'm announcing officially that you can find me on TikTok. M-Y-O-Z-E. one and, and there's a very, very TikTok. sensual Valentine's Day greeting awaiting you when you do. Uh, you better believe it. You Why didn't me I get the Valentine's Day greeting? You scoffed You're at me when I was recording it. Oh, did I? <laughs> you called me weird when I was recording <laughs> it, <and> so you <laughs> I didn't don't get it. Remember. I, I think he, he, she probably just thought you would just talk it. <laughs> just, yeah, just probably. It's Valentine's Day, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to see me start some TikTok beef with some strange Americans and English people, um, check me out on TikTok, and also uh, Letterboxd. I figured out that my username is also Mio's Mio's O one zero one. Oh one. Richard, did you just yawn? Did <laughs> 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 no, did I? Oh, Probably. No. I it was a deep, deep breath. <laughs> Rachel's the master of like of unconscious transgressions. <laughs> <laughs> she does it all the time. Haha, <laughs> 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 funny. <laughs> I do that to my colleagues, and I need to stop because I forget that they don't know me that well. <laughs> that, that's not. And that is a very rude funny. thing to say. No, but they find it funny. But now I'm like, this is going to go too far and it's going to be hurtful. So I need <laughs> to stop these things. But yeah, yeah. So TikTok for, uh, to, sit, to witness the reason that Rachel is disappointed that she's dating me. And, oh, and uh, Letterboxd to see the cool movies that I watch. The reasons why oh, yeah. I date him. Yes, yes, because I watch good oh, movies. Oh, and, and, and I'll plug again, Dog Milk Films. Dog Milk oh, Films. Oh, yes, yes, Dog Milk Go Films. Go check them out. They do some good stuff. They released a documentary called A Luck, which I haven't watched yet, but it has been on my list for a while. Sorry, I haven't watched it. All right. Yep, All right. thanks okay, so cool. much for listening, Bye, everybody. See you later. Goodbye. We'll see you, you in two weeks. Love you all. See you in two Follow us on, 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 on Instagram. But there'd be plenty of newspapers with plenty of different people controlling them so that there's a variety of viewpoints and that there's a choice for the public. Uh, no, no, not, 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 not any crimes. No, and you shouldn't be trying to turn this into a subsequent media circus. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning.